The article attached to the loss in Cleveland had a make-believe memo from Jerry's Krause to Reinsdorf, as written by Bob Sakamoto, and it went a little something like this. <laughs> Boss, I saw my first Bulls road game as vice president of operations. I think I know why we've lost 18 of our last 20 on the road. <laughs> Blunt. I always like to say that Michael got to play with me for a year at North Carolina. <laughs> I think it really helped him. Spectacular player from the beginning. You can see right away Jordan was going to be a big-time scorer. And showed what an impact he was going to have on the league. This is NB85, celebrating the 30-year anniversary of Michael Jordan's rookie season in the NBA. And now, your hosts, Adam Ryan and Aaron Steen. Welcome back to another episode of NB85, Aaron. We're up to episode 25 of the series, and we're going to close out the regular season with this episode. How are you today, mate? Good, mate. Good to be back on the Detroit Piston. <laughs> NBA News, Notes and Quotes, March 25th through April 14th, 1985. Plenty of great things happen in this period of time. Let's get stuck straight into it. Don't think we've got any trivia because that only happened once <laughs> throughout the series thus far, so nothing to add there. No, other than, uh, yes, this block that we're talking about today is approximately three quarters of the 1985 calendar year. <laughs> now, on the 25th of March, Bernard King underwent arthroscopic surgery. Doctors stated that even if King's knee had required extensive rehab in the summer, and I quote, we expect that he would be back for next season. Unfortunately, that wasn't going to be the case. To be eligible to win the scoring title, a player had to have a minimum of 70 games played or have scored 1,400-plus points, and King had over 1,800 points, 1,809 to be precise, at the time of his injury. Who came second in the league in scoring that season? That's a great question. I should know. Jordan was 28.2. Might have been Larry. Neek must have been right up there. No, Dominique only averaged 27 this season, so... I reckon it might have been Larry. If uh, Bernard hadn't have qualified for the scoring championship, then Larry Bird would have won the scoring title. I'm just trying to find it right now because you've piqued my curiosity. Let's quickly check the greatbasketballreference.com and find out what we can. Bernard led the league with 32.9 points a game, which is fantastic. And Larry Bird was second with 28.7 points a game. So, yeah, you're right. He would have won the scoring title. Yeah, that cool. Jordan was 28.2, and Purvis Short came in fourth at 28 points. It's all a moot point because uh, Bernard qualified and yeah, was the NBA scoring champion for 1985. He was, and just for reference, Alex English finished fifth at 27.9 points per game. Moving on, the shorthanded Milwaukee Bucks were led by UCLA rookie Kenny Fields, who dropped 21 points on New York as Milwaukee defeated the visiting Knicks 126-106. to 106. You've heard all about the killing fields, but what about Kenny Fields? Read the opening sentence of the game recap. Thought that was worth mentioning. March the 26th, Indiana travelled to Chicago and the Bulls hung on for a one-point win, 120-119, to 119, in front of a lowly 7,268 fans. The Bulls' record improved to 35-38 and 38, and this was the Pacers' seventh straight loss. For Chicago, Jordan had a fantastic game. He had 38 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, and 3 steals. Orlando Woolridge went for 31 points, 12 boards, and 3 steals of his own. For Indiana, Jerry Seasting had 23 points. Clark Kellogg, double-double, 21 and 10. 
10 rebounds, that is. Jim Thomas, who I had to look up on basketballreference.com. He was a second-year man out of Indiana. He had 21 points for the Pacers. So nice little stat line there from him. On the following day in the breakdown of this game, Kraus signals New Bulls era. Bob Sakamoto wrote, Jerry Kraus is in, Rod Thorne is out, and Kevin Lockery is somewhere in between. The article wrote of the three-year contract that the 45-year-old Jerry Krause had signed with the Bulls and Krause's history, both with the Bulls and in Major League Baseball as a scout. Coach Lockery spoke of the fact that if the new hierarchy of Reinsdorf and Krause were, and I quote, going to make a clean break and go all the way down to the ball boy, I would be next. <laughs> Michael Jordan said his hopes had been raised with the sense of newness in the franchise and admitted that Jerry Reinsdorf isn't messing around and was waiting to see what the new changes are with players and coaches. So evidently, Michael saw the writing on the wall for Coach Lockery as well. Reinsdorf interestingly said in the article that the decision not to bring back Quinton Daly for the following 1986 season had already been made, and subsequently in the following season, Q played 35 games for the Bulls, averaging 16 points off the bench. <laughs> I love that. And also, the talk about Lockery probably not hanging around, only days later, I did read a number of articles where Lockery was still going to stay with the team because the Bulls would have to pay out his salary of close to two hundred and fifty grand the following season. So there was still talk he might hang around. Contradictory, as always, with some of the reports about whether a coach will or will not make it to the next season. New GM Jerry Krause said he would be at the Bulls' next home game against Indiana at Chicago Stadium and also with the team in Cleveland on March 28, and we'll start evaluating the roster immediately. The Tribune had its game breakdown that same day, and Bob Sakamoto wrote, Live from Chicago Stadium, welcome to the Michael and Orlando show with special guest star Jerry Krause. <laughs> I love how he's, he's gone back to the David Letterman type introductions there, so that's good to see. Dave Corzine stood out in a supporting role in this West Side production with 17 points and a crucial tip-in with 57 seconds remaining. Neither team led by more than six points all night, and Jordan's 38 gave him 2,032 points on the season, making him only the second bull other than Bob Butterbean Love to score 2,000 points in a season. Got to love that. Jerry Krause watched the Bulls' three-man show from both the press box and courtside as the rest of the team only scored 44 points in total. Indiana came into the game having lost 13 or 15 and was without star centre Herb Williams for this game. Lockery admitted the game shouldn't have been so tough to win, but the Pacers' quickness at guard and inside size always gave Chicago matchup problems. The Bulls encountered their third altercation in a game in the month of March as David Greenwood and Tony Brown had to be separated in the third term of this game. An article spoke of Jerry Krause's upcoming task to evaluate the Bulls roster for the 85-86 season. It named Jordan and Woolridge as keepers, but after those two, it gets iffy. It went on to assess some of the other members of the roster Ennis Watley, despite finishing seventh in the NBA in assists the previous season, had just missed a team flight to Cleveland, which was New GM Krause's first road game, which is really bad timing, and was fined $250 plus the cost of his flight. Wes Matthews is a fiery personality on the court, but not always a steady contributor. 
It said that the team's weakness is at power forward and centre with Dave Corzine and Juwan Oldham being adequate backups at that position. Steve Johnson has won a good game every three outings <laughs> and Sydney Green hasn't been given a chance to prove himself sitting on the bench most of the year. He would love the chance to show his stuff elsewhere, which is exactly what Quinton Daly will be doing. <laughs> On March 27th, Detroit's 127-110 to home win over Houston clinched a playoff spot for the Pistons. It would be their first back-to-back appearances in the playoffs since the 1977 season. The game was dubbed Battle of the Bandages as Milwaukee defeated New York 121-116 to at Madison Square Garden. Paul Pressey scored 12 of his 25 points in the fourth quarter and Paul McKeskey dominated with 14 of his 21 points in the third Seven foot three inch Randy Brewer added 17 points for the Bucks. Hello to Randy Brewer if you're listening. On the 28th of March, Chicago took on the Cleveland Cavaliers at the Coliseum at Richfield in front of another lowly crowd, 9,104 people. The Bulls dropped the game 122 to 114 and their record worsened. I'm not even sure if that's a word. 35 and 39 they dropped to. Before this matchup, Chicago were flirting with the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference, only a game behind New Jersey. As far as the stats go for the Bulls, Jordan had an absolute beauty of a game. 35 points, 8 rebounds and 10 assists. David Greenwood went for 11 rebounds and Dave Corzine had a season high, 23 points. And for Cleveland, well be free, dropped 32 points. John Bagley had a, a super game, 18 points, 7 rebounds and 12 assists. And Phil Hubbard, he's back in the stat line, 18 points. Nice game from Old Mother. The <laughs> article attached to the loss in Cleveland had a make-believe memo from Jerry's Krause to Reinsdorf, as written by Bob Sakamoto, and it went a little something like this. <laughs> Boss, I saw my first Bulls road game as Vice President of Operations. I think I know why we've lost 18 of our last 20 on the road. <laughs> Blunt. The Bulls fell behind by 17 points in the fourth quarter, only to make a rush at the end. The entire article was the faux memo between the two and went on to tell of Krauss being impressed with Greenwood's 16-11 and 11 and Corzine's season-high 23, and that he could see that there was something wrong with Daly, who missed all nine of his shots. <laughs> Same day on the 29th. Boston won its 10th straight game, defeating the visiting Philadelphia 76ers 112-108. It matched the Celtics' longest win streak of the season. Moses Malone also became the 16th player in league history to amass 10,000 rebounds. Good effort there for Moses. The Tribune wrote on the day of the game that Dr. J would miss the Sixers' upcoming game at Chicago Stadium with a sprained ankle, and Steve Johnson suffered a hairline fracture in Thursday's loss in Cleveland and could be out for up to three weeks. Now, I haven't written where he suffered the fracture. I think it was in his thumb, yes? Could very well have been, mate. I was actually trying to think of a terrible follow-up joke about my hairline just being fractured in general, and that's the one on my head. So That's not fractured, that's receding. Yeah, true. Thanks for that, uh, Dr. Steen. <laughs> Philadelphia travelled to Chicago. And in front of 18,133 fans, so a bumper crowd this time, the Bulls were competitive but lost by five points, 122 to 117. Their record dropped to 35 and 40. And the same game day article also centered on the Bulls' possible playoff opponent, Milwaukee, although it's still sketchy at this stage as to who their opponent eventually would be. But they were correct in suggesting it could be the Bucks. For Chicago, Jordan had another monster game, 38 points, five rebounds and six assists. 
Quinton Daly went for 25 points. And Jawan Oldham, 10 points, 6 rebounds and 3 steals. That's a great effort. And for Philly, Moses Malone, another great game from him. 31 points and 14 rebounds. Charles Barkley went for 22 points and 11. So one of the better games of his rookie season. And Mo Cheeks had a, a great game. 17 points, 12 assists and 5 steals. The Bulls fought back from 18 points down early in the second half with yet another of their furious fourth quarters, Robob Sakamoto. A 67-58 Bulls deficit at the half was met with an 8-0 run by the 76ers to start the third term and Philly finished the term with a 96-82 lead. The Bulls unleashed their trapping defense and the crowd began to rock the old barn after a powerful two-handed dunk by Jawan Oldham. A Jordan three-point play and a daily jumper got the lead back to just four points with 9-27 remaining, but the Bulls were able to finish the game off. On this same day, the Houston Rockets had started a campaign to get Akeem Olajuwon the Rookie of the Year award for 1985. They mailed a comparison sheet to all NBA writers showing how close the statistical side of the equation was and that Elijah one should beat out Jordan. The article made the point that Texans were comparing Elijah one to Jordan, whilst the rest of the NBA was comparing Jordan to the greats of the game, such as Bird and Magic. Oh, that's good. That's tally. On April the 1st, Bernard King underwent reconstructive knee surgery. His doctor was quoted as saying that King would be ready for the start of training camp. And as we alluded to a little bit earlier, sadly, that was not going to be the case whatsoever. Quite amazed at the length of time that Bernard had off after blowing at his knee. It either shows the, you know, the seriousness of the injury that he suffered or it could also be the you know, advancements in treatment and rehab that we have in 2015 to help guys back on the court quicker. Probably a bit of both, I reckon, mate. Yeah. Um, also on the same day, Detroit defeated the visiting Celtics 113-105 to and it snapped a Boston 10-game win streak for the second time in this 85 season. That's a pretty cool stat. The Celtics were without Larry Bird due to elbow problems and Danny Ainge due to a bad back. Isaiah Thomas had 26 points and 15 assists. Starting in place of Larry Bird, Scott Wedman had an outstanding game. He dropped 31 points, including a pair of three-pointers that stretched a consecutive streak of made threes to 11, a then-league record which surpassed Trent Tucker's 10. On the 2nd of April, Cleveland had a 122-107 home win versus Washington. World B Free had 32 points. And after a dreadful 2-19 start to the season, the Cavs had gone 30-24 and since, which was great. The win put them two and a half games ahead of Atlanta for the 8th and final playoff spot. Now, John Bagley had 16 assists, which gave him 634 on the season. And that surpassed Lenny Wilkins' team record, which was set back in 1973. Milwaukee at home defeated Boston 109-103. to That denied the Celtics the chance to become the first team in NBA history to go a full season without back-to-back losses. That would have been a great achievement. New Jersey Nets at Chicago also on the 2nd of April. The Bulls had a 108-94 to win in front of 9,636 fans, so another pretty ordinary turnout from the fans in Chicago. The Bulls improved to 36-40, and and the Bulls were jockeying with New Jersey, Washington and Cleveland for positions five through eight in the race to the playoffs. Now for the Bulls, Jordan went 31 points, eight rebounds and nine assists. Orlando Woolridge had 25 points and Sydney Green had a really good game with a double-double, 12 points and 12 rebounds. For New Jersey, 
Michael Ray Richardson had 29 points and 8 assists, and Buck Williams had 21 points and 14 rebounds. A present arrived for the Chicago Bulls addressed to the Chicago Bulls Bon Voyage from the Bomb Squad, wrote Bob Sakamoto. <laughs> the Bulls bench outscored the New Jersey Reserves 34-17, to led by Sidney Green's 12 points and 12 rebounds, Daly's 16 key points, and Juwan Oldham's six block shots. The Bulls' big men out-rebounded the Nets' front line, including Daryl Dawkins and Buck Williams, 52-35, to including an amazing 25 offensive rebounds. After the win, only one more Bulls win or Atlanta loss would lock the Bulls into the playoffs. They were only one and a half games behind Washington for the East number 5 seed at 36-40, and 40, showing that the East was pretty weak 30 years ago too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, I don't know how I overlooked Jawan Oldham having six blocks, especially when we pour over these box scores line by line. But anyhow, we did. On April the 3rd, Chicago travelled to Washington at the Capitol Centre in Maryland, and in front of 11,201 fans, they defeated Washington 100-91. to The Bulls improved to 37-40. and And prior to this victory, Chicago had lost 18 of its last 20 road games, as you alluded to a bit earlier. This was the first of a four-game road trip for Chicago, Jordan went for 25 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists and 4 steals. Great game. Orlando Woolridge had 25 points. David Greenwood went for 9 points and 9 rebounds. And for Washington, Jeff Malone had 22 points. Charles Jones, one of Corwell Jones's three brothers, had 13 points and 8 rebounds. And Cliff Robinson, not that Cliff Robinson, as I like to say, had 7 points and 11 rebounds. Don't call me Uncle Cliff Robinson. That's exactly right. Yeah. The win in Landover secured the Bulls' first playoff appearance since 1981, and the players celebrated by giving Jordan a Miller genuine draft bath after the game. David Greenwood said that the beer bath was a toast to Michael for all that he had done for his teammates and the organization. MJ had 14 points in the third term of this game, and the Bullets reeled off a 15-0 run to start the last quarter before Jordan came up with key baskets and steals down the stretch to hold Washington off. Coach Lockery said after the game, everything's on me tonight. These guys can have whatever they want. <laughs> Words that in hindsight, Kevin may have come to regret. <laughs> Especially with a couple of guys on the roster. <laughs> uh, on April the 4th, Boston had a 119-103 to home win against Indiana. Larry Bird dropped 35 points. And the game recap included the following line in relation to Bird's return from two missed games with an elbow issue. Even the infirmed get healthy versus Indiana. So that's a bit of an indictment on the Pacers. Also, same day, Derek Smith of the LA Clippers scored a career-high 41 points in his team's 124-122 to home win versus the Kansas City Kings. Reggie Theus had 20 points and also eclipsed the 10,000-point plateau at the same time. Stan Albeck registered his 300th win as an NBA coach when New Jersey Nets defeated the visiting New York Knicks 113-100. to Michael Ray Richardson dropped 17 points and 17 assists in the victory. Quite a few milestones achieved throughout this period of time, mate. Cleveland, fighting for the eighth and final playoff spot, defeated Philadelphia 113-110 to at Philadelphia. They ended their season series, surprisingly, with four straight wins, 4-2. Well, B3 had 25 points, and old mother Phil Hubbard had 23. Sensing this may be his last hurrah with the team, Kevin Lockery was letting loose 
with the enthusiasm of a riverboat gambler on his final <laughs> roll, wrote the sack. David Greenwood, who took part uh, in the Bulls' last playoff appearance in 1981 under Jerry Sloan, said they had devised hand signals to communicate during timeouts. Such was the noise in Chicago Stadium. He said the new guys who haven't seen the playoffs will be in awe. And I quote, it's like a hockey crowd. The people are going nuts, end quote. Greenwood said that when the Bulls won Game 3 against New York in 1981, 115 to 114 in overtime, to win that series, that the 19,901 fans at the stadium mobbed them on the court like they just won the NBA championship. He had a few good quotes, actually, Greenwood. Yeah, he was one of the uh, the veterans on this team, obviously a bit of a team leader as well, and I think he also kind of felt like he was a team leader as well, uh, considering the experience that he'd had, especially in the playoffs in 81. Yeah, and I think he also held Jordan in fairly high regard too, which is probably understating things, but he certainly seems to, based on some of these quotes that we're reading over the last couple of weeks worth of research. And playoff tickets were to go on sale on April 13, ranging from $16.50 for lower level and $6.50 for top balcony seats. On April the 5th, Chicago travelled to the Spectrum in Philadelphia and took on the 76ers and lost 116 to 113 in front of 16,579 fans. The Bulls dropped to 37 and 41. Even at this stage, the Bulls still had a chance to go as high as the number five seed, which would have meant a matchup with Isaiah Thomas and his Detroit Pistons as they entered the playoffs. Now, in this game, Jordan. Had a great game, 40 points, only one rebound, surprisingly, five assists, and also fouled out. Orlando Warridge had 18 points, Quinton Daly had 16, and Sidney Green chimed in with 14 points and 10 rebounds. For Philadelphia, Moses Malone had an absolute beauty, 27 points and 19 rebounds. Dr. J had 19 points, Bobby Jones went for 17, Charles Barkley had 16, and Mo Cheeks, almost a double-double, 12 points and nine assists. Earth to Air Jordan, Earth to Air Jordan, one 76ers fan could be heard shouting after MJ dunked on two 76ers for two of his 40 points in this game. MJ's sixth 40-point game as a rookie thrilled the 16,579 fans at the Spectrum. The Bulls made one of their patented fourth-quarter runs, this time with MJ on the bench and even led by two at 109-107 to 107 after Philly had led comfortably throughout Jordan fouled out soon after to a partial standing ovation from the Sixers crowd. Did that mean that they were three quarters standing up in their seats or no? A partial standing. It was a crouching ovation. I don't know. <laughs> Sydney Green had a good game with 14 and 10. Unfortunately, the rest of the Bulls squad accounted for only 18 more rebounds combined. Green said his good play of late had been due to needing that playoff money. Nothing like speaking the truth, I suppose. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of games that took place on the 5th of April, Ricky Green of Utah missed a free throw after time had expired, ending his consecutive streak at 32 as Seattle escaped with a 119-118 to win in Salt Lake City. And for Seattle, Tom Chambers had 34 points and Al Wood, who spent six years in the NBA, had the second highest scoring game of his career with 32 points. So you might like to say that Al Wood spent six years in the NBA. <laughs> Oh, now we look back at him, he's called Al Did. <laughs> uh, anyhow, <laughs> in Denver, the Nuggets won 118 to 109. And more importantly, Dan Issel had his number 44 retired. He finished the game with 18 points. When all was said and done, 
He scored 27,482 career points, and that includes ABA and NBA. Moving on to April the 6th, Houston won a wild game, 139-127 to in double overtime at Dallas. The Mavis Mark Aguirre and Coach Dick Motta were both ejected. Apparently, Aguirre got ejected as teams were actually heading to the locker rooms at the half, so that's quite surprising. Did it elaborate on, on why? Well, apparently he was having some strong words to Earl Strom, from what I remember. Ah. Uh, maybe some Strom words were said, perhaps, strong words. by both Maguire and the referee. I'm not actually sure. Unusual to be ejected on your way to the locker room. Having strong words to Strom is definitely a good way to L yourself ejection. <laughs> <laughs> oh, descending into a farce rather quickly. <laughs> Moving on. Um On the 6th of April, Chicago travelled to Atlanta, this time at the Omni in Georgia, in front of 10,888 fans. And the Bulls had a three-point win, 117 to 114, improving their record to 38 and 41. With the defeat, Atlanta had lost 16 of its last 23 games, and they only missed the playoffs by just two games. Now, this was Chicago's fourth game in five days. For Chicago, Jordan had 33 points, 7 rebounds and 4 assists. Orlando will reach 20 points and 7 rebounds. Dave Corzine had a good game, 19 points and 5 boards. Quentin Daly went for 20 points and David Greenwood had 8 points, 11 boards. And last but not least, Wes Matthews, 12 points and 11 assists. And for Atlanta, Dominique, not surprisingly, lit up the scoring column again with 30 points. Eddie Johnson, not that Eddie Johnson had 19 points and 17 rebounds. Eddie, don't call me Eddie Johnson. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, 19 points and 17 rebounds. So that's a great effort. Cliff Levingston, second-year man, 16 points. And Kevin Willis, 14 points and 9 rebounds. It's funny how it takes MJ to have a 35-plus point game for us to, to state how good of a game that MJ had. But when we love Dave Corzine that much, that all he has to do is peel off her eight points and four rebounds <laughs> and we're all over him like a cheap suit about how, <laughs> how good of a game that he played that night. You're spot on. And as we speak, man, I'm actually wearing the Dave Corzine T-shirt that you very kindly purchased for me uh, some months ago. So thanks for that. Well, we're like brothers from another mother because I'm sitting here in my Judd Bushler T-shirt. As you like to say, the Arizona Sniper. The Arizona Sniper, or one of the Arizona Snipers, along with Steve Kerr. Yeah, true. The Chicago Bulls win was a mix of flashy Hollywood and playground spacewalking action, wrote Bob Sakamoto. In their rematch of the 1985 dunk competition at All-Star Weekend, Jordan finished with 33 and Wilkins 30. Two causing free throws with two seconds to go ice the game for Chicago after Neek was swarmed by Bulls defenders and missed on a baseline drive. Corzine said he had thought of his two key free throw misses down the stretch in the Bulls' loss to Philadelphia as he stepped to the line. During the second term of this game, Doc Rivers was called for what he considered an unfair foul on Michael Jordan. After the game, Doc said, Michael Jordan is a great player. He doesn't need any help from the refs. For me, he's the hardest guy to hold in the NBA. Getting all the good calls, even as a rook. Even as a rookie. At Atlanta, no less as well. So even on the road, the refs were still on the Jordan train. And Doc wasn't the first guy in this season to have a bit of a gripe about the amount of calls that rookie MJ got. Bit of a theme, actually, isn't it? Yeah. Of Doc's five technicals that season, three had came against the Bulls, and he was called for another during the third term of this game. The Hawks felt that they were given the wrong end of calls numerous times down the stretch of the game, 
one of which led to another tee on Dominique after he felt the refs missed a foul call on Doc. Wes Matthews was a teammate of Dominique during his five-season stay in Atlanta. Personally, I'd love to know of his relationship with Dominique, who said of Matthews after the game, it's a crying shame the way he shoots his mouth off. <laughs> the game was a physical encounter throughout. It seems that there's no love lost <laughs> between the pair. On the 7th of April, the Lakers had a 135-133 to overtime win at home versus Portland. Magic Johnson had 39 points, 9 rebounds and 11 assists. And in the previous 31 games, the Lakers had gone 27-4, and four, which is just amazing. By virtue of a Houston loss, Denver won the Midwest Division for the first time since 1978. Hours later, the Nuggets celebrated with Alex English dropping 42 points as Denver held off Golden State Warriors, 130-125. to Then on April 8, Chicago, another road game at Indiana at Market Square Arena in front of 11,225 fans. The Bulls dropped to 38-42 and on the season after a four-point loss, 107-103. to And unfortunately, they couldn't end their four-game road trip with a victory. Indiana, who were 22-60, and at the end of the regular season, won the season series four games to two. Chicago were led by Jordan's 22 points and eight rebounds, along with five assists. Wes Matthews, the aforementioned, Wes Matthews had 21 points. Quentin Daly had 21. <laughs> Seven rebounds and four steals. I shouldn't look at you on the camera when I start talking. <laughs> and Orlando Woolwich had 14 points and eight rebounds. For Indiana, Clark Kellogg, 34 points and 14 rebounds. Steve Stepanovic had 15 points and 8 rebounds. Vern Fleming had 18 points, 6 rebounds and 6 assists. And Jim Thomas, he had 13 points, 9 rebounds and 7 assists. So that's a very nice game. Impressive numbers for Jim Thomas. What's even more impressive is the fact that he also was a rookie for the 76ers in the late night. Oh, that was Tim Thomas. Sorry. <laughs> more Barbara Sakamoto gold. Somebody forgot to put in a wake-up call for the Bulls on Monday. Instead, Clark Kellogg, a.k.a. Special K, led the Pacers Breakfast Club past the snoozing Bulls before 11,225 fans in Market Square Arena. He followed up his 35.16 rebound game versus Philly by eating up the Bulls like a breakfast of champions. <laughs> That's sensational stuff. Clark Kellogg's 34 points was a nightmare that the sleepwalking Bulls couldn't wipe out. In the fourth quarter, Wes and Kellogg ran into each other and Matthews said Clark Kellogg told him he was going to punch me in the face, to which Wes replied, you and who else? <laughs> Wes loved a bit of a scrap. He did. He was a very feisty character. He was. I'd love to know what Wes did or said to him to get him rolled up like that because Kellogg said that little guys seem to shoot their mouths off, which is strangely <laughs> enough exactly what Dominique said just the game before about him. Matthews was about the only bull who could talk after his 21 points on 8 for 11 shooting. Sakamoto said maybe he should have mouthed off to his teammates in hope it would raise their level of play like it did Kellogg's as they trailed by 21 points at the half and had 19 turnovers in the first two quarters. They again ignited a comeback with their new trapping defense, getting the game back to 102 to 98 with just over two minutes to go before dropping to two and two. Hello, Richie Benno, on their four game road trip. <laughs> if you're not an Australian listener or a big fan of cricket, you'll have to Google Richie Benno and uh, you'll probably get that reference after a while. And also, good luck getting the spelling of Richie's surname correct B E N A U D. But anyhow, moving on, on April the 9th, 
Will be freeze 35 points in the Cavaliers' 114-100 to home win versus New Jersey. Helped secure Cleveland its first playoff appearance since 1978. Now, after a 2-19 start, that's nothing short of incredible, Cavs players carried first-year coach George Carl around the court after the victory. Imagine if they had tried to carry him around the court in 1996. Would have been an effort in itself. He was a large man at the time. <laughs> a nice, I guess, little side story, a Plymouth, Indiana judge ruled that small amounts of cocaine and marijuana found in the gym bag of Michigan State Guard Scott Skiles can be used as evidence in his trial the following week. Not sure if it was nice news at all for Scott Skiles, but at least it was of note. Mm. Also on this same day, this sounds like it was a great game. The Clippers had a 129-127 to win over the visiting Nuggets. Norm Nixon had 29 points and 20 assists and... Marcus Johnson chipped in very ably with 26 points as well. Alex English had 38 points for the Nuggets. And uh, another tidbit, Sudanese centre Manu Bol declared for the upcoming NBA draft, as did Carl Malone from Louisiana Tech. These both happened on April the 11th. Boston clinched the league's best record with their 121-115 to win at Cleveland. It also ensured that the two teams would meet in the first round of the 85 playoffs. On April 12, in Detroit's 102-96 win versus the Wizarding... Wizarding. (laughs) I'm about 15 years ahead of my time. (laughs) The Wizarding Washington Bullets. Um, It was a perfect 40 and slip, though. It was. I'll keep it in there. Why not? Isaiah Thomas set a league record for total assists in a single season. He dished out 21 dimes, which gave him 1,110 assists on the season. Passing, no pun intended, the previous record of 1,099 set by Kevin Porter of the Pistons in 1979. Here's a name you'll enjoy, mate. Paul McKeskey of Milwaukee <laughs> calmly sank two free throws with no time on the clock in overtime to lead the Bucks to a 115-113 to win at Boston. Very impressive. Speaking of impressive, Bird had 47 points, including a game-tying three-pointer with five seconds left. Is that that crazy three that he hits where he's fading towards the other sideline and he hits the three? Uh, I don't know. I've got no idea. Yeah, on Larry Bird, a basketball legend. Does an up fake or something and then makes it? Does an up fake and then he takes one dribble to his left and as he's moving sideways towards the other sideline, he reigns in a three. One of my favorite shots ever. Yeah, now you've mentioned it. I think that actually could be it. I'm not actually sure. Mike McGee of the LA Lakers lit up the visiting Seattle Supersonics with a career-high 41 points. Ronnie Lester of the Lakers, former Chicago Bull, Mm -hmm. had 15 points and 11 assists. Atlanta also took on Chicago on this date at Chicago Stadium and dropped the game 119 to 108 in front of a good crowd, 15,747. Second last game of the season for the Bulls, they dropped to 38 and 43. And talk of the Bulls' increased confidence with the playoffs approaching obviously fell on deaf ears with this defeat. For Chicago, Jordan... Had another good game, 28 points, three rebounds, six assists, and a very, very healthy five steals. Sydney Green had, I don't know how you can have unhealthy steals. Sydney Green had 15 points and 14 rebounds. Quentin Daly and Orlando Woolridge had 16 points apiece. Dave Corzine went for nine points and 10 boards. And for Atlanta, Dominique had another great game, 31 points. Eddie Johnson had 25 points and 10 assists. Doc Rivers had 17 points, 7 assists and 5 steals. And Antoine Carr had 17 points and 9 rebounds. There was a bit of 
controversy attached to this game. We have heard that one of the reasons that Coach Lockery was given his marching orders after this season was his management of the team in two suspect losses late in the season. Fans left Chicago Stadium after the loss to Atlanta, upset that the Bulls had thrown the game. They had the game in control for three quarters, and then with the reserves on the court, the game got away from them before losing to Atlanta 119-108. The article attached to this game had quotes from several Bulls fans expressing how upset they were at what they had just seen. After the game, the Bulls players couldn't get out of the locker room quick enough. Chicago shot 72% in the first half and led by as much as 15 in the third term. Jordan hit nine of his first 10 shots on his way to 28 points. And after 93 points in the first three quarters, the Bulls managed only six in the first eight minutes of the last term. The 15,747-strong crowd at the stadium boosted the season total to 487,370 patrons, the second-best home attendance record in the team's history at that time. Now, those stats are just off the top of your head, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Now, on April the 13th, second-last day of the regular season, Chicago played their final regular season game on the road at New Jersey at Brendan Byrne Arena. A great crowd, 18,758. They witnessed New Jersey Nets defeat Chicago, 123 to 113. They finished the regular season 38 and 44. The Bulls' playoffs opponent was yet to be determined. Results of other games factored into their eventual seeding. Chicago were led by Orlando Woolridge, who had 33 points, 15 of which came in the third quarter. Jordan chimed in with 29 points and 9 assists, and Sidney Green had 15 points and 6 rebounds. For New Jersey, Michael Ray Richardson had 20 points and 12 assists, and Albert King had 20 points. In the game that sealed Chicago's first-round matchup with Milwaukee, the Nets held an 18-point lead in the first half before letting Chicago back in the game. A late run and key scores down the stretch finished the Bulls' season with a loss and a 38-44 and regular season record. The same night as the Bulls' final regular season game, Washington upset Philadelphia 118-106. to Must have said a few mean words. At Landover. That cemented Chicago's plight following their loss to the Nets. Had the Bulls defeated New Jersey, they actually would have faced Philadelphia in the first round of the playoffs, which would have been quite a daunting matchup for the Bulls. Dominique Wilkins ended his season by dropping 41 points on the hapless Indiana Pacers in Atlanta's 122-117 home win. Eight games were played on the last day of the regular season. This was April 14, 1985. It was also Kansas City Kings' final home game before they relocated to Sacramento starting in the 1986 season. However, they lost 122-116. to Even though there was no Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson or James Worthy suiting up for the Lakers. Yikes. And I'm also looking forward to the move of the Kansas City Kings to Sacramento because every time I see your abbreviation of KCK, I think of John Conkak. Hello to John Conkak if you're listening. 1984 gold medalist. Indeed. The players of the week for this time span, the week of March 31, Calvin Natt of the Nuggets, 1985 All-Star, averaged 23.3 points at 65% field goal shooting. As the Nuggets went 3-1 in that span, the player of the month for March was Larry Bird of the Boston Celtics in case you went away, 30.2 points per game on 52.6% from the field as the Celtics went 13-1 and for the month of March. 
The week of April 7, Derek Smith of the Clippers scored 41 and 33 in two LA Clipper wins. I'm not sure what's more amazing, the 41 and 33 points or the two LA Clipper wins, <laughs> shooting 61.4% from the field. And the week of April 14, Michael Ray Richardson of the New Jersey Nets, 29 points per game on 59.3% field goal shooting as the Calvin Nets went 3-1. and one. <laughs> Now, again, those stats are clearly off the top of your head there, mate, so well done with that. Let's go over the individual highs for this 21-day block that we've covered. Larry Bird had 47 points in Boston's win versus Milwaukee on the 12th of April. In terms of rebounds, Bill Lambier had 23 boards at Phoenix on the 26th of March, and Isaiah Thomas had 21 assists for the Detroit Pistons against the Washington Bullets on the 12th of April. The points per game leader for the season, we've already covered this earlier in the episode, Bernard King led the league at 32.9 points a game. The league's leading rebounder for the season was Moses Malone at 13.1, and Isaiah Thomas, not surprisingly, because we've mentioned his name many times throughout this NB85 series, he led the league in assists at 13.9 per game throughout the regular season. The division winners were as follows. Atlantic division champs were the Boston Celtics, 63 and 19. In the Central, the Milwaukee Bucks went 59 and 23. The Midwest division winners were the Denver Nuggets, 52 and 30. And in the Pacific, the Lakers, who wrapped up the division championship in mid-March, from memory, went 62 and 20. Now, the Bulls finished 38 and 44. They were 4 and 6 in this period of time we're talking about today. The Pacers and Warriors each went 2-9 and nine, and they finished the season tied with the league's worst record at 22-60. and 60. Quick rundown of the playoff matchups, mate, which we'll be discussing in episode 26 of this series. Very quickly, in the Eastern Conference, Boston would face the Cleveland Cavaliers, Milwaukee would play Chicago, Philadelphia took on the Washington Bullets, and the Detroit Pistons took on New Jersey. In the West, the Lakers would take on the Phoenix Suns, Denver Nuggets would take on the San Antonio Spurs. Houston Rockets would be facing the Utah Jazz. And the Dallas Mavericks were taking on the Portland Trailblazers. That pretty much rounds up. Rounds up. That rounds out the 1985 regular season, mate. Uh, thank you very much for being part of this episode yet again. Anything you'd like to add before we put a bow on this episode, mate? Hopefully the listeners will be looking forward to episode number 26 when we will be running through the top 100 in each of the individual statistical <laughs> categories. Giddy up! Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and share my web address with your friends and colleagues in allairness.com. Check out the podcast archive for plenty more episodes with high-profile guests. Follow me on Twitter at InAllAnnis. Please add your like to the show's social hub, facebook.com slash InAllAnnis. Join me next time for another edition of the show.